for each and every one of us tonight. Do you believe that, church? Yeah. Amen. Do you believe that, church? Yeah. I feel like if I get loud, you will. And if I just, I felt like, God, I, I feel like a different presence of you today where, you know, I just want to almost be gone and filling your, your spirit. But I think that the people want me to be loud. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, um, so this is what happened. I don't know what I'm going to bring today. I know that I have notes. I know that while I was getting ready, I was actually shaving my head. I was shaving my head in the, in the midst of, of just getting ready and trying to, to make it here on time. I start and I begin to think about how when I was living an ungodly life, that being under the influence of certain substance of alcohol or drugs led me to have an emotional behavior that I couldn't control. And while I start to, to think about that, and I'm looking at myself, and, and the thoughts are going through my mind, I begin to, to, to think about how the pastors, for those that don't know, or for those that are hearing me through social media, that don't know, they are, you know, my siblings and my brother-in-law. This is my sister, my older sister, and this is my brother-in-law. But in the midst of that, if you notice, every time they come up and they express how they first started nine years ago, and you do the math, it was nine years ago when I came back to follow Jesus. And the thing was that when I came back and I say I converted to Jesus because even though I grew up in a household where the seed was planted, I still didn't know the identity of Jesus the way that I do know right now. So the thing is that in the midst of me being lost and loss of identity that I was facing out in the streets, I, I, I knew who my sister was. I knew who my brother-in-law was. I didn't know what God was doing with them at the moment because I was lost in my own struggles. And so I don't know why the Holy Spirit allowed them to come back into, into this, this image that, that was going on um, fast as I was, you know, be, getting prepared for tonight. And, and I began to think about, I remember going to the church and it was my mother's church, and that's when I converted and accepted Jesus that day. And then I find out a couple of weeks later that my sister, my brother-in-law, was opening up a church. And I said to myself, and they don't even know this, I said to myself, had I known that, I just would have went with them. But there was a purpose for everything, and I still ended up where I ended up. Amen? And there was a journey that took place. And there was molding that took place and there was teachings that took place things that I don't think I would be able to identify with people had it not taken place and then so I begin to think about these current or past situations in the current time and I felt the Holy Spirit bringing me to the prodigal, prodigal son and he kept bringing to me, prodigal son, prodigal son, prodigal son. I said, but Lord, that's not what I have prepared for tonight. And he said, prodigal son, prodigal son, prodigal son. So that's where we're going to read tonight. It reads in Luke 15, starting in verse 11. 
When you have it, you can say amen. It reads, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not longer after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his, to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I'm going to stop right there. You see, when I when I just opened up the Bible very quickly while I was in the parking lot, and I wanted to for God to show me something, and I think what the Holy Spirit was trying to show me was that there was a man, there was a son that had an identity where he was at. You see, and, and this, is when I, this is when I knew, I said, God, but there's, there's some things here that I know that's, that make sense that I know you're going you're gonna to allow me to use. You, emotional behavior is a mental state that arises spontaneously rather than conscious effort. So it says conscious is having knowledge of something. But when we go to the prodigal son where the spirit led me today, it says there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of what belongs to me, basically. So what happened there to where his identity was being troubled with, to where he felt that he needed to take his share and to leave spontaneously. His emotions shifted. It just shifted out of nowhere. And that's a problem. That's a loss of identity. So I begin to think to myself, and, and I'm telling you, when I'm thinking to myself, I'm talking about I live seven minutes away from the church. So I'm just thinking and I'm thinking and I'm thinking, but that's how you know that the Holy Spirit is the one that wants to take control. And he will. Because I will allow the Holy Spirit to do so. Do you believe that, church? And so... And so I start to think about myself and those that know me know that I do not like to give a testimony of myself because there's things that I'm not proud of. I would do it if there's street ministry. I would do it if I'm led by the Holy Spirit. But I have to think that growing up in a Christian home where my parents planted the seed, but yet I basically said I didn't want that. I rejected that. To go and to live a life of my own decisions because why emotions took place to where behaviors were acting out. But it doesn't disregard the seed that is planted there. That's why it's so important for parents to come to church with their children. For youth and kids to be at the church because believe it or not. They can be there but you're planting a seed, you're planting a seed, you're planting a seed. Even if you have to drag them, you're still planting a seed. Is there a chance that they will go away and try to find their own lifestyle and try to figure out who their identity is, even though you've already established a Christian home, even though you've 
already established God into their life, there's still going to be a time where the enemy is going to come and try to trouble their souls and say, you have my identity and that youth or that child has to struggle and say, I'm lost in the midst of God and the enemy and what everything has to offer. But do believe that it plays a part when you allow God and the Holy Spirit to take control of your child by just simply bringing them to church to hear the word of God. So emotional behavior, back to the meaning of it, is emotional behavior is a mental state that arises spontaneously, meaning I didn't think I was going to do those things, but I did. I didn't think that I was going to go that far, but I did. I begin to think how I was under the influence, and I have witnesses here that would tell you that I would begin to cry. I would begin to cry and act up and cry and say, my father doesn't love me. My mother doesn't love me. This person doesn't love me. This person doesn't love me. And all they had for me was love. Those are emotions that are acting out spontaneously to where I don't have control of and I, now I allow myself to be under this bondage. It says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided. He divided. So not only that, but he brought the vision to what his father was trying to establish from the very beginning for his life. You see, missing emotions will bring you to divide yourself from the true divine purpose that God has attended for your life from the very beginning. And I kid you not, I was struggling so much. I'm not even reading the notes yet. But when you hear the Holy Spirit say, bring the prodigal son, bring the, the parable of the prodigal son, you have to believe that God is going to, God wants to talk tonight. God wants to talk tonight. I don't know if you prefer to hear God speaking or if you want to hear something that was moved two days ago. But this is fresh anointing that's coming from right now. And for that, we give you all honor and all glory. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth meaning everything that he possessed it at his father's house he took it and just wasted it wasted it those are emotions behaviors that was happening in this in this man how can i relate to that because every time I wanted something, every time I fell off or fell down to where I had nothing else, guess where Eddie Diaz, or should I say Minister Eddie Diaz, but at the time was Eddie Diaz or just E. They used to just call me E or him or that guy or that dude. I was nobody. I'm still nobody. The one that receives all honor and glory is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But you learned that. You learn that when you squander off and you leave everything behind and you identify to know that the emotions that you once had, you don't have. And by the grace of God, you have something that is steadfast and firm. But 
Every time I, I would go and squandered everything and waste everything, everything that I possessed, where would you run back to? The father's house. And if you didn't have a father and your upbringing, your mother's house. And if you didn't have a mother or father in your upbringing, your grandmother's house. And if you didn't have a grandmother and you grew up in a, in a foster home, you was running back to the foster home. There's always some type of shelter that you're going to run back to when you're in need because you lost your identity. And you can blame that on yourself, on the mixed emotions that you can't control. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, meaning I don't even want to know what's going on at the father's house anymore. I want to get gone. Everything that I learned, everything that I seen, everything that, that, that was given to me, the way that I dressed, we have our emotions tell us, to gain, to get what we need to get and to get gone, to only allow the enemy to put us in a position to where we lost our identity and we have no choice but to go to the Father's house, but that can be a benefit in our lives. But before that, you will be stripped from everything that was given to you. And the sad part about this, as I speak, I begin to think how some, peop some people don't make it back to their shelter. Some people don't make it back to father's house, mother's house, grandmother's house, foster homes. Some people get. Remember the story of the, of the good Samaritan. If it wasn't for that good Samaritan to go at his aid was still people that were walking right by him and that's how it is in all reality but like I said the only reason why we were in that position and sometimes we still go back to that position is because of our emotional behavior disorder that's inside of us and we allow the enemy to keep us in that mindset and bondage after he has spent everything, there was a severe famine, meaning there was hunger. He has nothing. He stripped everything that he took from his father's house, everything that possessed it to him, everything that he said, this is mine, even though I didn't work for it, I want it. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. That was his job. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. So now he's in a position where he's looking at the pigs and he's saying, I want what you got. I need what you are eating right now. In order for me to continue living, this is what I need. And what I need is your food. He's not looking at the pig like we do and think that we're going to kill the pig and eat it He's, he, he doesn't have time for that process he doesn't have time for that the way that he's feeling the emotions that he's feeling the hunger that he's feeling everything that is surrounding him there's no food to be found 
I left the only shelter that I had. So now he longs to have what the pigs are eating. He longed to fill his stomach with the pies that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, see, I read that and I think identity. When he came to his identity, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's higher men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like you or like one of your higher men. So he got up and went to his father. So this is him thinking in the midst of his struggle, I am not worthy, but I came to my senses, meaning I'm, I'm coming back into my identity. I'm coming back into the form that I lost, and I have to think I got to go back to my father's house to gain the full identity, the, cre the creation. Basically, if you think of God, the, my creator, I got to go back to his house so he can establish in me once that was already there to begin with. You see, he lost his identity through emotions. But now he's in a mess of emotions to where he knows he already lost. He lost everything. He lost everything. So he has to come back and he has to feel his creator and say, I got to go back to the father's house. But still, even to there, he's not fully identifying himself with the identity of the father because he still cuts himself short. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Who said that? Who said that? His emotions are telling him that. You're going to go back to the father's house. But his emotions are basically plotting something that he's not controlling at that moment. So he's saying, I'm not worthy. Because of everything that I've done, I'm still not worthy to go back to the Father's house and to gain access to the things that once belonged to me because I already took half of my share and I lost it. But now I go back as a slave. That's what he's thinking. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he, And this is him talking to himself. He plotted it. He said, this is what I'm going to do to make things right. This is what I have to do. I have to go back to the Father's house in order for me to continue living. And I'm going to tell him, guess what? I'm not worthy. I sinned against heaven and I sinned against you. But make me like one of your higher men and let's call everything truth. Just so I can put something in my stomach. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And that's the difference here. The identity that our father holds is not the same identity that we hold when we are away from him. You see, we can say, Father, forgive me. Father, I am not worthy to do this. There's people that think that they have to do a, a certain amount of fasting, certain amount of prayers, that they have to pray to, to do 10 Hail Marys. I'm going to say it like it's coming to me. In order for them to receive repentance. But you see, on your journey on the way back, you're gaining your identity and your emotions are coming back to where it needs to be. And while that is ha happening, the father is 
prepared to receive you. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You see, he still went with the same strategy that he that, that he plotted to have, that he, he organized, that he put together. He said, I'm going to go over there. And that's the problem half of the times. Half of the times we come to church and we want to be like, I got a plan. I got an agenda. I got this written up. I got it typed up. And God is saying, no, that's not what I want. That's not what's going to be delivered tonight. But we still go with our words and thinking that that's going to shift the heart of the Father. And when the Father is already happy to rejoice to see you come back to the house. He said he's coming back to his senses. His emotions are going back to, 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 to relating to where he belongs. His identity is coming back. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead. He was dead. He lost his identity. He was dead. But now he's back. Let's celebrate. His father didn't bring up anything. His father didn't say, now you came back? Was my cut? What about the possessions that you took? What about the gifts and the talents that I gave you when you went and you wasted it? He didn't say anything of that. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, and, and he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. I'm going to read that from the top. It says, meanwhile, the, old, the older brother, because I skipped that, and I want you to get this. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and plead with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him? So he's saying that's what you did? He went and he, he it says prostitutes. So he labeled him as he was gone in the streets. He was with them while I stood here firm. And now you're celebrating that? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because 
this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's loss of identity. And there's a celebration in the midst of you coming back and regaining your identity. There's always going to be a celebration. God is always going to have a celebration and something prepared for you. It says, the Bible says, uh, a just man falls seven times and gets back up. I told the Holy Spirit, if you allow me to proceed with this, I will. And I feel that I do have the permission bring forth it. The way that God wanted to design it and put it, it was up to him. Emotional behavior, who am I? Emotional symptoms of behavior disorders are easily getting annoyed. So think, think of the two different brothers. And it's, it's you're going to see. Emotional symptoms of behavioral disorders are easily getting annoyed or nervous. Often appearing angry. Putting blame on others, refusing to follow rules or questioning authority, having difficulty handling frustrations. Negative emotions can carry out shameful acts against our brothers. And I think God is just talking to the church today. And even those that, and when I say church, even those that left and are back here today, those that are watching today. We, we, God wanted to start off with the prodigal son. He wanted to make sure that everybody was included. Negative emotions can carry out shameful acts against our brothers, which results feelings that determines our assumptions and conclude that the best way to kill off this emotion behavior is by feeding it. This leads to physical or spiritual homicide. In Genesis, we read the story of Cain and Abel. And his brothers, it, it, it's a brotherly thing tonight. I feel it. The first homicide in the Bible that was caused by loss of identity and the act of emotional behavior, it reads chapter 4. Adam met his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Some time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It's desire to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? You see, when I was reading this, I had to go back into the emotional symptoms of behavioral disorders that says easily get 
getting annoyed. When God asked him, where's your brother? I felt like he was easily getting annoyed and appearing angry and putting blame on others and, and refusing to follow rules or questioning authority and having difficulty handling frustrations. But it reads, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer. Was it? You see? This that I brought from the beginning was just given to me. I kid you not. And, and the prodigal son took his property and left and what? Squandered. He was a wanderer too. To receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Emotional behavior from the very beginning is a mental state that arises spontaneously rather than conscious effort. The definition of conscience is having knowledge of something. It's to be aware. So if we are talking about emotional behavior and identity, who am I? If you don't have self-control over your emotions and act out spontaneously, this can only mean that the sin that dwells in you is the one that seeks to feed the flesh, the flesh that carries the emotions of jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, division, and envy. The Bible states that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Your emotions... Your emotions, yes, disqualifies you. Thank you, Pastor. It disqualifies you. Your emotions. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? There was a conversation taking place before he committed and acted out on the actions that he was feeling. God told him, I know what you're, what you're up to. Stop. Take control of your emotions. You're losing your identity, King. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. Back to Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21, that says... That speaks about the works of the flesh where we can clear, clearly see that some are triggered by emotional behavior. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, division, and envy. The, this, there's more to that list. But since we're talking about emotions, those are the ones that talk about emotions. The flesh is always active and never takes a vacation. These works all issue from a heart and rebellion against its creator, God. Remember the last time that I spoke on this topic, I brought the biblical definition of identity. Identity is defined in terms of what God does to us and the relationship he creates with us and the destiny he appoints for us. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. Cain was not carrying the identity of God. Even with the warning, even with the conversation, even with, 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 with the alarm, with the, with the warning. Did I say warning already? Yes. Yes. I kid you not. 
I think God is doing something so powerful. I think he is spiritually slapping us. I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say, am I allowed to say that, Pastor? Am I allowed to say that? All right, cool. I just don't want to get stoned. <laughs> I'm just messing around. <laughs> but I think he is spiritually slapping us Sundays and Wednesdays. Because he talks about the end times, but it's a form of getting us ready. In order, for, in order for us to get ready, we need to know our identity. Because if we don't know our identity and our creator, then how are we going to even relate to the end times and even feel that? So I think he's just getting us on, on, on Sundays with the right hand and on Wednesdays with the left hand. And he keeps... Wake up, wake up, wake up. I don't know if y'all feel spiritually slapped, but good Lord. I can't wait for these sessions to be over. <laughs> All right. Identity is defined in terms of what God does to us and the relationship he creates with us and the destiny he appoints for us. God made us who we are so we can make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. A heart full of emotional behavioral disorder is a heart that does not carry the identity of God. A heart full of jealousy is a heart that does not carry the identity of God. A heart that is full of anger is a heart that does not carry the identity of God. Proverbs 4.32 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin awaits you at the, at the bottom of the door, at the top of the door. At any, way, any way that it wants to get to you, sin is waiting for us, people of God. It wants to take advantage of us. It wants us to be in a loss of identity. That's what it wants because it wants us to take its identity and to commit its like fraud and its ugliness that it has to offer. It desires to have you. He even says that it desires, it wants you. Sin wants you. But you must rule over it. God calls out the emotion of anger that Cain is carrying and calls it as sin. But notice how this cause of anger was by an acceptance of one heart versus the other, meaning brothers, the offering, the acceptance. God accepted one and didn't accept the other. But it was the way that you bring things. You know what I mean? He could have he brought a, a, a better offering, but he didn't have an identity that, that was relatable to his creator. So he disregarded his offering to his creator. He said, I'm just going to bring him what I want to bring him. And Abel took a different route. Abel said, this is my God. This is my creator. He supplies everything for me. I'm going to bring him the best and the fattest of the flock because I know that he is worthy to praising he will supply any need that I have the emotion is now uncontrolled to where it shows the reflection of his heart and thoughts on his face 
downcast. You see, you can have a battle on the inside. I have it. I'm guilty. We all have emotions. We all become sad over a situation, stress over a situation, and we come through those doors or wherever we enter, and you can just see it on their face. And you can see how that person is approaching, and you say, brother is going through something. I must pray for him. Or you can even ask your brother, do, are you going, do you want to pray together? What do you want to do? I, you're not yourself. And that's okay. You haven't lost your identity. There's trials that is going to come. And we just got to fight it off. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about this emotion is now uncontrolled. So now there was an emotion of anger, of jealousy, or whatever Cain was going through to where now his thoughts and his heart was reflecting on his face. He was downcast. And even with that, God approached him to stop him before he committed the murder that he was going to commit. And with that, he still went through with it. His face was given the identity of what mastered him. And now instead of seeing Abel as his younger brother, he sees him as what his emotions describe him to be. Do you believe our emotions can control us that much that we begin to see our brother not as our brothers but as an enemy? To where all we think about is putting this man underneath offer something that you did? You came with the offering. Abel came with the offering. You came your way. He came his way. What he got to do with that? And on top of that, there was a conversation that took place with God and tried to help Cain. That's the biggest issue here. God, God said, I'm not going to accept this offering the way that I'm going to accept Abel. But listen, let's work through this together. I see that you're angry, but you, if you do what is right, you will be accepted too, Cain. Don't worry. There's more opportunity for you. But don't commit what you're going to get ready to commit based off the emotions that you're feeling right now. His face was given the identity of what mastered him. And now instead of seeing Abel as his younger brother, he sees him as what his emotions describe him to be. I can only imagine that his rage is converted into jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, division, and envy. It's now clear that a homicide is going to take place. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Matthew 18, verse 15. And I close with this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Definition of brotherhood. The quality or state of being brothers. Fellowship, alliance. The whole body of persons engaged in one. It's sad more now than ever. It's sad to say more now than ever. Our brotherhood in the body is divided due to emotional behavior disorder. I can explain. How many times a 
How many times, and I'm, I'm going to put myself in this, because we're all the same. How many of us have been hurt by a brother or sister, pastor, minister, leader, or a deacon from a church? We call that church hurt, right? And we leave. We leave the Father's house because we're church hurt. But now how many of us confronted our hurt to that person? I'm quick to answer, not many. Instead, we allow our emotions to rage a behavior in us that causes us to be in bondage with a bad taste in our mouth and we begin to murder our brother spiritually. We'd rather continue living a life assuming something that possibly never even existed. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. Nowadays, it's like the pastor was saying, many will become offended by the simplest thing ever. Because you walked by that person without saying, excuse me, or God bless you or something. Maybe that person just seen that you was having a conversation and they didn't want to be rude and break that. And so they just made their way out the building. Maybe that person thought that they were still following the protocols of COVID and they couldn't touch you. And they made their way out of the building. But many people will leave offended and say, that brother is rude. That is not a man or sister of God. And it's just like, but why? But why? Could you explain that to me? The Bible tells me if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You see, the problem here is that we don't know how to embrace and we don't love our brothers the way that Jesus intended us to love our brothers. So we'd rather continue living a life assuming something that possibly never existed. And the, the most ironic thing of this all is that you become in self-bondage. You hurt yourself first. So while you're, can we say, spiritually committing a suicide, at the same time you're spiritually murdering your brother because... The only position that you're in is staying stuck and saying, that's why I go to church. That's why I don't praise God. That's why I yell because the person next to me is always like this or is always giving me a look. But you don't know if that person just came from an ear operation or something. You don't know that. You don't know what's going on. But instead, you become stagnant. And you lose your identity over emotional behavior disorder that is disrupting your soul we'd rather continue living a life assuming something that possibly never even existed did I say that already emotions are now taking control over our minds body and soul and the condition that you are trapped in can result in one conversation but no we want to stay hurt and overall, we want to continue bashing our brothers. He or she did this. He or she has an attitude. He or she doesn't understand, so why bother? He or she 
And you will always find a way to bring your brothers down. It says in the very beginning of the story that while the other brother was coming and the father was receiving him, the other brother saw the celebration and was saying, what's going on? And started to murder his brother with words to the point that he went to the father and he addressed him and said, what's going on? I've been here slaving with you, throwing things to the, to the father, I've been putting in work and now you're celebrating, but you don't understand that brother was dead. That brother was in bondage. That brother was in the pits of hell. That brother is now becoming delivered and is back home. Why are you not understanding that? Why do you want to continue to see your brother as an enemy? When the Bible clearly states, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Why? Because you will always continue looking at that man as your brother. You don't want to lose your brother. You don't want to, you don't want that. In the beginning, when we talk about Cain and Abel, Cain, sin, it desires to have you. And that's the biggest problem here. That sin is going to continue to want to twist things around so it can keep us right there put in its place the most amazing part of this verse is to gain your brother never to allow your emotions to carry out the vision between you and your brother that for the sake of brotherhood for the sake of staying as one body for the sake of love for the sake of grace for the sake of the cross and this walk as followers of Jesus Christ that we will do our very best to see our brothers as brothers and stay pure hearted and to always carry the fruit of the spirit joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control rather than the works of the flesh because those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God May our identities be for the sake of making known his identity. Amen. Let us be on our feet, church. If we are able to.